That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, I've got my red fedora. I've got all the yep. f- this thing that I do with the fire breathing, the gasoline dipped torches. That I'll use in a very mm-hmm. safe procedure. I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be rocking my Nantucket Reds. Nice. So uh, for Pentecost, and so hopefully they still fit. Just like you been, and uh, the early apostles. It's been quite a quite a quite an Easter <laughs> so feast. But anyway, um, <laughs> but Pentecost is coming. The yeah. arrival of the Holy Spirit and uh, absolutely. Yeah. So as we as we jump in here, it's worth noting for our listeners that Pentecost is a Greek name for a Jewish feast the Feast of Shavuot, which is the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles, a kind of early harvest feast. and uh, This is also the yeah. celebration of the 50 days after Exodus, where the people of uh, Israel were given the law at the base of Mount Sinai. That's right. And so, when you're reading Acts chapter 2, uh, you need to have the images of Sinai, you need to have the images of Z- Ezekiel in mind, because this is what Luke is thinking about. Um uh, when he uh, writes his uh, his uh, when he writes Acts chapter two, yeah. So Pentecost, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of stuff from the Hebrew scriptures coming together with Jesus' promise to send His Holy Spirit or send the Holy Spirit, and this is when it all happens. So it is. It's fifty days after the Passover, meaning that's why it's Pentecost. And since the Holy Spirit comes on this day, uh, Christians have adopted that language as well. That's. Jake's. Sorry, everybody. Um, he, Jake has a life coach that calls occasionally to give him advice, and that's <laughs> all what that, the time. That's what that was. It was to give him some affirmations as he goes through his day. All right. So Acts chapter two, day of Pentecost has come. All the disciples are together. Uh, last week we heard Jesus praying in the Gospel of John that all his disciples would be one, and that he would dwell in them, and they in him. And now the Holy Spirit comes and allows that to happen. The disciples are uh, still hanging out in Jerusalem post. Uh, um, ascension of Jesus, and they are in this house that is filled with the sound of wind and tongues of fire on them. That is an indication of the presence of God, which we know from the burning bush story with Moses. Uh, Fire means God is present. And like in the burning bush story, when the bush is on fire but does not burn up, meaning this is something that is... um, God is showing mercy. God is not consuming. God is not burning up. God is not judging. He's showing mercy. That's what happens here. The fire shows up and does not consume them. Um, And they're given the ability to to speak in tongues. And this isn't prayer languages, as you may hear uh, some Pentecostal churches have used for a long time. Some still do today. Um, These are actual languages with syntax, grammar, alphabets, rules. And they're speaking um, the message of 
the gospel uh, to the people because there's in this feast of Pentecost there are Jewish people from all over the Roman world the known world at the time uh, who have come back for the for the feast for the high holy days and so uh, uh, they speak other languages the languages of where they live Hebrew is not their first language anymore and now they hear this message of Jesus in other languages and then this is again the beginning of of this message of Jesus spreading out into the whole world Jake how would you preach this? Um, Acts chapter 2? Yeah. Um, okay, well, um, so I would, yeah, I would hit on all of those things and say, talk about how a lot of this is like Old Testament imagery. And so, and uh, it's interesting, the Feast of uh, Shavuot is the uh, only holiday that um, um, is like required to be done uh, solely in Hebrew and by informed uh, individuals, people given authority. And so, uh, when, uh, so you have all of these different groups coming from all over the diaspora. And uh, that's what uh, makes this uh, so interesting is, is that it's not like the temple authorities. It's not like, you know, uh, heavy duty rabbis speaking totally in, in Hebrew only. It's, um, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? You know, and so that's like the big shock. That's why they're asking the question. They're amazed and astonished because this isn't the temple authorities. This isn't like, you know, uh, you know, uh, renowned rabbis. These are Galilean fishermen who all of a sudden start uh, talking about what? The mighty acts of God in their own, lang- in their own languages, in their own tongues. They uh, are hearing, it says right here, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. And what is God's deeds and power? Well, it is how Jesus has fulfilled the law for them. So, that like needs to be the second, I think, point if you're hitting on this text is that the mighty deeds and power is that how Jesus has fulfilled all things. And now, uh, the gates of heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, are being opened unto the whole world. If you remember Luke's great commission, go therefore into Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very end of the earth. And this is really at the heartbeat, the start of the whole thing. It's right here in Jerusalem where it goes out. And uh, I love that they're all, um, uh, they begin to sneer a group of them. They're like, what is going on? These people are obviously drunk. And uh, this is where like the heartbeat of the whole thing comes in. It's the emphasis here for Luke and the emphasis on uh, the preaching shouldn't be about the tongues. It is about uh, the sermon that follows the tongues. This is what what they're hearing. And uh, this is where what we see that all that Jesus has come to do is now being fulfilled as he pours out, God pours out his Holy Spirit on all people, including Galileans, and now including you and I, to share the mighty deeds of God's power. That's right. And uh, Jake, I didn't mean to prank you there. I know we meant to talk about Genesis 11 first, but I got so excited about Acts chapter 2. So, to our listeners, you have options. You can start with Acts 2 and then do Romans 8, or you can start with Genesis 11, which is what we recommend, and then go to Acts chapter 2. But it's all the Word of God, so whatever you want to do is totally fine. The Romans reading is great. It is brief, so if you want to be merciful, you can do that one. But the Genesis reading kind of sets the backdrop for a lot of what happens here, uh, Mm -hmm. in that it talks about the um, the the Tower of Babel and yeah. shows how this, yeah so why is that important Jake? Well, this is uh, basically so it's really interesting. The Tower of Babel takes place. It's really in in the order of things. 
immediately it follows the flood, um, but it actually takes place probably about a hundred years after the flood, in kind of the poetic timeline here. And uh, and when if you remember when Noah's descendants get off the ark, they are told to go fo- out into the world and be fruitful and multiply. Uh, and so, but what is the first thing that they do? Uh, it says. Uh, that they, uh, they uh, went to the land of Shinar, which would be probably around today modern-day Baghdad. It's along the Tigris and the Euphrates. And it says they settled there. No, no, that's not what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go out into all of the world and be fruitful and multiply. And then uh, there is this uh, audacity that, well, we're going to reach God ourselves. Uh, Jonathan Haidt has just uh, come out with an amazing article about um, kind of America's Tower of Babel and how um, uh, in the it Atlantic, is actually, yeah. yeah, and how it's actually leading down to the dumbing down of America, which I think is excellent. And so, if you want, like, a, I mean, a good illustration or a good like cultural connection, take a look at that magazine. Yeah, it's all about the about social media and how it made everybody a better human. <laughs> just kidding uh, so but here yeah. they are they're building up they're building up and uh, I mean and and you know I mean and what this is actually about is is about pride and arrogance and uh, about us thinking that we will reach up to God rather than the way God longs to meet us and that is to come down and meet us and yeah. uh, meet him on our on his terms not ours yeah, so in Babel, everybody, before the Tower of Babel, everybody can speak the same language, and so they try to assert themselves, and it's a massive ego trip, and we will reach up to God, it's sort of the deal. And um, and um, I once knew a, a church that had a coffee table book about the church that the title of it was Reaching Up to God, and I thought, that is such theological danger, because... It's not good news that we reach up to God. That is futility and frustration. The gospel is that God reaches down to us. And so the confusion that results from the Tower of Babel, that whole reaching up to God, uh, you then see um, it, it reversed in the book of Acts, where God sends the Holy Spirit down to us. And he doesn't make us all speak the same language again. He respects and preserves kind of the beautiful diversity in the human race. But now... Uh, allows people to hear the gospel in their own languages, which to me is a beautiful thing and sort of a statement of the humility of God. Um, Christianity has never been one of those religions that says that it can only truly be understood if you speak the original language, Um, but it is happy to be interpreted and translated into the culture and the language uh, to which it goes, Mm. which which is an incarnational move. Jesus Christ limits himself by taking on human flesh um, and uh, entering into human time and human space and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and God does that as well in entering into human language and being conveyed historically, which is why it's totally a proper theological move when you go, for example, to that church in the Garden of Gethsemane and you see all those different images of um, Mary and Jesus kind of culturally defined from the cultures around the world that have embraced Christ. So, anyways, uh, that's... That's a, yeah. that's a good thing. I like to... Um, it just kind of hit me. So, uh, Ooh, the on, Holy Spirit when, doing his work again. Yeah, when it says the Lord came down to see uh, uh, see the city and the tower which the which mortals had built, and the Lord said, "Look, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do." Okay, their profound disobedience. Nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. 
Uh, Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other's speech. So, one, uh, God's judgment here is not uh, capricious. It's out of a sense of care. Uh, The tongue is given in order to extol and praise God, not come up with plans on how to prove ourselves to God. And this is exactly what's happening. But then this also comes uh, in why uh, there are tongues of fire on the apostles. And notice it's not hands of fire, it's not feet of fire, and it is because faith comes by hearing, and our voices are to extol the mighty works of God that God has accomplished for us in Jesus so that we might hear those mighty works of God and believe. And so, it is not about doing and about your hands and self-justification, which you see happening in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. No, it's about tongues and extolling what God has done for you and hearing and believing it so that you might be credited as righteous. Amen. Well, that's beautiful, Jake. That was an inspired little moment there. Mm, thank it. you. I, like, I, I forgot what happened. Like no, light is kidding. shining on your face. I don't know where that's coming from in your office. It's, it's, it's my desk lamp. Right. So, anyway. Uh, it's um, like the transfiguration right there on your desk. Um, let's now move to John chapter 14, verses 8 through 17. And if you want, you can throw in verses 25 through 27. Um, and this is Jesus, um, again, again, part of this chapter we talked about last week, John chapter, like these last chapters of John where he's given this really long speech slash prayer. And this is where he promises the, whole, the Holy Spirit. Um, I think you should include verses 25 through 27 because these are the ones too. where he says, but the advocate, uh, the paraclete in Greek, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything. Uh, and this tells you what the Holy Spirit is there to do. His role is always to point us to Jesus Christ, to remind us of what Jesus has taught us, um, and also is connected with this idea of peace, that having the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and with us gives us peace. And this is the thing, um, Jake, I think a lot of Christians, and you don't need to be a Pentecostal to be where the Holy Spirit in your life, uh, but even for people who come out of that tradition, I think often we have a temptation to think the Holy Spirit is um, uh, that part of the Trinity which in us acts in big flashy ways. And obviously that can happen. Um, he's the jazz hands he's of the, the jazz Holy hands Trinity. of the Trinity. But the, um, uh, <laughs> but the Holy Spirit works quietly and I think more often chooses to work in less um, obvious ways, because his goal is not to draw attention to himself, but to draw attention to to yeah. the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, uh, that's yeah, right. I, I think he he does work in us quietly, secretly. Um, that sanctifying work is not your own efforts and all that sort of stuff. Kind of what you just talked about. But this is it's 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 his work in you. Um, and I think that's important for the Christian to remember because so much preaching it emphasizes what you need to do to make God happy. And it all, and often sounds like the Holy Spirit is not already working in you, uh, not already mm. doing things in you, just completely left out of the equation. It's all up to you. And the good news here is that Jesus sends the, sends the Holy Spirit to do in that's us what right. we can't do for ourselves. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, that's exactly right. And that's what this passage is really all about. You know, they're at at the Last Supper, and Philip's like, hey, man, you know, show us the Father. And 
And Jesus is like, what are you talking about? Like, have I been with you all this time? And, uh, and so, and really, this is what the Spirit is, uh, this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit doesn't do his own thing. The Spirit doesn't do anything but reveal Jesus to us. And in revealing Jesus to us and, and the works that he has done, um, uh, we are, are shown the Father uh, because the, the Son glorifies the Father. And so, um, and this is amazing too. I mean, you know, I love this line uh, where he says, Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. In fact, will do greater works than these because I'm going to the Father. And uh, I mean, these greater works have carried us all the way to New York City and to Waco, Texas and to uh, Springfield, Missouri, Ew. and uh, where the, 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 the dead are raised and, uh, and uh, in baptism and uh, the, the, the hungry are fed uh, in bread and uh, the thirsty are given the water of life and the, the cup of salvation. And all of these things continue to go forth to the very ends of the age. And he says this very thing, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, where are they at? This isn't about the Ten Commandments. Just let me clarify that. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what are the commandments that he's given? Well, it's that you do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Take, eat, this is my body. Drink this, all of you, this is my blood. And so, uh, you know, keeping my commandments, because it's in those keeping of those commandments, those sacramental commandments, where we remember that God has always loved us and that he's given us this advocate, which is the Holy Spirit. And and uh, and uh, and uh, that he abides with with you. What does it mean that he abides with you? Well, the Greek word there is also the he rests, and so the Spirit rests with you and uh, will be with you. Um, uh, you are never left forsaken or alone, and uh, that is a uh, really really good news. Yeah, and I think it's important to also say a couple things. I'm not one that advocates deep diving into the Greek when you are preaching, but it's important to note that the translation here is a good one. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, because there are some translations that have it, if you love me, keep my commandments, which makes that's it sound right. very like, if then, that's how the NIV and many um, translations do this. And And he's not saying like you might have in an unhealthy, toxic relationship, like if you really love me, then you would do these things for me, um, kind of a shaming, guilt-trippy way to motivate behavior. He's describing what happens when someone loves Jesus, which is in itself a work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings about fruit in that person's life, which is belief in faith. And as you said, the commandments, which we tend to hear is like, you know, don't listen to NWA, don't uh, um, celebrate 420, which yeah. is the day on which we're recording this podcast in the way that many people do. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, and, you know, just... I've only got about 10 minutes left, Aaron. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, actually, we're recording... It's, it is almost 420 p.m. in New York where Jake is recording this right now. It's still 3, a little bit after 3 p.m. here in Waco, Texas, but that's, uh, that's funny. We're about to... <laughs> Jake's about to have a Snoop Dogg moment right there in his office at Calvary St. George's. There but, is a there is a funny uh, truck that's parked right outside our church, which I'm like, why are you parked right out here? Yeah. Called Uncle Doobies. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't even know what that means, Jake. 
Yeah, I don't know either, but uh, I'm going to go find out in a minute. So, so. The, the, yeah, we think about Christianity, keep my commandments in these very moralistic, legalistic terms that are so culturally specific and change all the time, but purity rings and that whole thing. If you love me, keep my commandments. He, as you've said, the command is to rely on Jesus. The command is to trust in him. What, what are the works that we must do? They ask Jesus. He says, believe in the one in whom he's sent. So, um, this is... This is not a long laundry list of things you have to do to make God happy. This is just a description mm-hmm. of what happens when somebody loves God, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit in her life already. So, the other thing I just love about this is that the name of the Holy Spirit twice in this passage um, is advocate. It's someone who Or the is, parakeet. Yeah, the parakeet or the paraclete. Make sure you get that right. That's an important consonant to put in there. Um but the, the advocate is one who's on your behalf. And the word paraclete comes from two Greek words again. Sorry, I apologize for this. Para kaleo, um, which is kaleo is to call out. And so, to kind of speak on behalf of and speak for. Uh, and that's why they translate it advocate. And this is someone who speaks on your behalf. And in a world where often you feel accused and the voices that speak to you are accusatory voices, which is, that's what the devil does. He's the accuser. If you ever feel bad, like you're not doing enough for the Lord or you're not being good enough Christian, that is not the Lord Jesus Christ talking to you. That is usually the devil talking to you, um, telling you you should feel ashamed. Because what the Lord says, if you are weary and tired and humble and if you're heavily laden and burdened, um, if you are a sinner, his words are always come to me and I will give you rest. Come to me and I will forgive you. And the advocate, the advocate is the one who speaks on your behalf because of what Jesus has done for you. So, this is why you have peace, not as the world gives, which is that last passage, which you can include here if you want it. Um, uh, and I think there's just so, this, these, these are passages just sort of from which grace just flows out, but they have been twisted. That sort of, if you love me, keep my commandments, that sort of stuff uh, has been twisted to make this about just more law, but it's not that at all. It's a gift, and that's what the Holy Spirit is. And so, the Christian life, if I were to preach one thing on this Sunday of, of Pentecost, it would be that it would be about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. The Spirit mm-hmm. is the advocate for you, points you back to Jesus, reminds you of the grace of God, and um, and always wants to um, remind you that you don't have, that, that the work has already been done on your behalf. That's great. Well, should we call it a day on this? Four, I think we on should. Four twenty, absolutely. You go check out Uncle Doobie outside. No, limiting anyway, our careers one episode at a time, just, just shutting no, down future options. Yeah, that's what we are. We Jake and I are straight edge preachers. It's very much so. All right. Part. Well, until next time, though, continue to uh, abide, <laughs> or else the dude abides. Somebody's looking. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.